Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Now we want to talk this morning about the family dynamic, and I have three points to share with you along these lines. There are three things that we're going to share with you about the dynamic of a family. Now, there's a whole lot more. This list could be a lot longer, but these are just three good dynamics you need to understand. Dynamic number one, family is belonging. Family is belonging. See, it's a blessing to be part of a family, isn't it? Even when you have children that might not be listening, right? Even when you have disruptions or issues going on, it's wonderful and it's a blessing to be part of a family. See, because the fact is everyone needs to have a sense of belonging. Have you ever been in a place where you just felt left out? See, I've had those moments in my life where it's like I was invisible, I was ignored, and people like, do I even exist? And you walk into a place, and nobody acknowledges you, nobody talks to you, and you just feel awkward, especially if it's a new place, it's an unfamiliar place. And, and that's why at Refuge, we want this to be a welcoming place. So when people come through these doors, they'll be welcomed. They won't be ignored, because that's, that's something God has given us. It's put in, he's put in our DNA that this is a place to belong. Where you can have that sense of belonging, where you, you fit in. You know, maybe some of you want to stand out. I never want to stand out. I want to fit in. But that doesn't mean we have to fit in to compromise values. We can fit in to be part of God's plan in the place where he wants us to be, serving and honoring him, right? So, to be part of a family, you can't be selfish. You really can't. You have to learn to share now, I have some stories about that. And my, my mom and dad, they had seven of us kids. I, two of my siblings are here, Joy and her husband, Tim, pastor there in Oregon, Salem, Oregon. Great to have you with us. They've been here with mom and dad this week. And then my brother, David, over there. Yeah, you got to watch that guy, you know. He's a good, he, he's the kindest person you meet, you know. He'll do anything for you except, um, uh, I don't know, what won't you do for someone? But anyway... He's a good guy. And Joy, she's sweet. They don't come any sweeter than Joy, okay? And so, um, so Tim, you got a good one, okay? You really did. So, uh, but with all these siblings, you know, when you have seven in the family, we had a table, and my mom was a great cook, and I'm sad she couldn't be here today. Um, and the plates would come by of the potatoes, mashed potatoes, and we were meat and potatoes, you know, and if you didn't take your helping the first time, it wasn't coming around the second time because it would be gone. And so, but we needed to learn to share. And, and, and as the third son, and I was a little jealous of my younger brother, Tony, because I got hand-me-downs from my two older brothers. And by the time I got them, they were pretty worn out, Okay. And so, but my, they were so worn out after I had them, then my younger brother, Tony, he got all new stuff. I said, this ain't fair. Growing up, you know, learning to share and work together. That's why, you know, to have an only child, you know, I know if that's all that God blesses you with, that's one thing. But 
they have a hard time sharing if they're the only child because they get everything. And we're kind of learning that now from Mackenzie because she's the only child we have at home. And I, she, she told me last week I didn't mention her in the service, so I'm going to mention her today. <laughs> now, somehow in her mind, because she's the only one, and we were spending stuff on four, now it's her, she thinks that we can up it for her to compensate for the four that aren't there. I don't get that, you know. But, you know, I can understand her thinking, but, um, but she's, she's a sweetheart. You know, she, she loves her daddy and mommy, and, you know, she's a, she's a good girl, okay? All right, where was it going with all that? It's the sharing, okay? The sharing element, you know. You, you have to learn to share. Greed is a horrible thing. Greed and selfishness work hand in hand. Because there's no joy in being greedy and selfish. There's no fulfillment in being greedy and selfish. There's only joy and fulfillment when we share, when we give. If we hold on to everything we have, you know, our world becomes smaller and smaller, even though it seems like we're gaining more and more because we won't let anything go. But we need to have a loose hold on things and see what we have, how can it benefit someone else? And I tell you, when I've gone to Africa, my heart breaks when I see the great need. And I can remember one time walking through a village, and I was with a pastor, and, and he was showing me uh, this, the church building, and it was just a dirt floor. It was very simple structure. And then uh, we went into this home to pray for one of the church members uh, that was, was ill, and, and uh, then there was a, the, the teenage daughter there, and they shared a need that she needed $300 for her school tuition and they didn't have any money at all. And we're at the point where we had spent all of our money. We didn't, I didn't have any more resources. And I said, God, if you can give me $300, I'll give it to this girl. I'll pay her tuition. But I don't have it with me right now. And so it was very interesting as I was walking and as he's taking me through the bush country and I'm looking at all this stuff, uh, seeing and witnessing this extreme poverty, the Lord began to speak to my spirit and said, Matt, I want to make you a resource person. And I said, God, I'm willing. If you can get it to me, you can get it through me. And then we had gone to meet with another pastor, and this has never happened to me in all my time in Africa. And this pastor took me to his office, and he shared what they were doing. And then he said, when a man of God comes to meet with me, I never send him away empty-handed. He reached in his billfold, and he pulled out three brand-new $100 bills and put it in my hand. And the shock, I mean, my eyes must have got this big because usually it's us helping Africans, and this time it was, the, he's sowing into my life. But I knew what that $300 was for. It wasn't for me. It was for that girl's tuition. And you know what, what happened in that, that, that moment, and, and there's a, more to the story because this pastor that gave me the $300, he had gone to England and he prayed for this man whose wife was unable to conceive a ch child. And God did a miracle. It was medically impossible, but God did a miracle and she conceived the child. He had no clue who this person was. He gets this uh, contact from this person. He said, I would like your bank account. He said, my bank account. Why do you want my bank account? because I want to make a deposit. And he was reluctant, and he felt like the Spirit of God said, give it to him. 
And he said, Lord, but that's, you don't do that. That's foolish to do that. But he did that. A million-dollar deposit showed up in his bank account. And he said, God bless me. And, and so I want to share that blessing with as many people as I can. And God spoke to me to give you $300. Well, when we went back to that village and gave that to that, that little girl, the joy in her face. And she actually wrote a letter of thanks. I got that somewhere. I have to look that up. But what a blessing. And I thought, God, you allowed me to be a channel that you could move through. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was a great story. But we got to get through this. I like great stories, don't you? Okay. How many of you gave me two extra minutes? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, okay. Oh, no, we'll, we'll bring this on. You got to get these other points. Uh, a family, guess what? Starts with marriage. It really does. Uh, you might have heard that marriage is just a piece of paper. It's more than that. Uh, marriage is a commitment to another person, a non-conditional commitment to another person. See, it's more than a marriage contract. The husband and wife relationship, I believe, is the closest relationship that can exist between two human beings. And God honors that relationship. So it's more than a marriage contract. Marriage is more than a fleeting passion or a quest for happiness. See, everyone wants to be married, that has that desire to be married. They, they you know, I mean, for me, growing up, when I, when I turned probably 20 is when I started thinking about marriage. Before that, I was too occupied with too many other things. But, you know, my desire, and I, I thought I had it all together because of how I would raise my family at a, as a 20-year-old. I thought, this is what I would do. You know, my parents messed it up, so this is what I do. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, you think you have all the answers, but really you don't. And even now, Deb and I are going to celebrate 25 years of marital bliss. Okay? That's a great confession. No. <laughs> yeah, it's... You know what word, the word bliss, it's just an abbreviated, abbreviated, abbreviated form of blessed, okay? Right? So, but she's been a blessing in my life in just so many ways. I'm so thankful for her. And, and she's challenged me in so many ways that has helped to make me a better man. And so I'm, I'm thankful to God for her. So why, why do you get married? Really, there's a purpose for marriage. And really, the purpose is to fulfill God's purpose. It's to find out his plan. It's not to do your own thing. You may have got married for the wrong reason, but now you can embrace God's purpose for your marriage and make that the reason you're married. So many people, they, they ignore what, what God's purpose is because their purpose trumps his, and we can't do that. So uh, Jesus quoted a statement. I'm going to share this, and we're going to move to the point number two and three. Jesus quoted Genesis and. Uh, 2 verse 24 in Matthew 19 verses 4 through 6 there were questions that were given to him and so he addressed these questions he said uh, have you not read starting at verse 4 that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast his wife and the two shall become one flesh so they are no longer two but one flesh what God but therefore God is joined together, let not man separate. And so we see God, or Jesus, affirming and reiterating the Genesis truth about marriage. Now, that's all we're going to say about that first point. 
the dynamic of a family. What was it? How many of you remember? What's the first point? Family, family is belonging, okay? And it starts with marriage, okay? It really does. And uh, point number two, children are a blessing, okay? They are a blessing. Sometimes you might not think so, ladies, when you're pulling the hair out of your head. Say, will you just listen to me? Will you just obey? But they are a blessing. Remind, you might have to remind yourself. Maybe put a, a sticker on your mirror. My children are a blessing. Okay? Um, because they are. That's what God has said and stated. Uh, Psalms 37, verses 25 through 27. This is the psalmist. Uh, David's talking about his youthfulness. And now he's older in life. Notice it starts out by saying, I have been young and now am old. I, I can say that now. I turned 60 this year. I have been young and now I'm older. Okay, I'll add the ER in the end. Okay. Let's, no, let's read it from the Bible. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Notice verse 26. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. So this is talking about the DNA of the parent here that ever giving and his children become a blessing in light of that. So we could talk about family values. There seems to be a lot of talk about family values in Christian circles. Value is defined as the quality and the worth of a thing. It's a it's a set of social standards defined by the family that provides the emotional and physical basis for raising a family. So values are important. Our family values are reinforced by what we believe. When we believe the word, that really is the strength behind our family values. It, it determines our family values. The values of a family develops that develops is the foundation of how children learn, how they grow, and how they function in this world. And values are determined either on purpose um, or by chance. Sometimes people stumble along and they just find it out. But if you're depending on chance to develop your family values, you will most likely end up in dysfunction. And really that brings us to the third point. When we look at the dynamic of a family, we need to be moving from dysfunction to function. And let me just qualify this because, you know, every family on earth has some level of dysfunction. No one has it perfect. No one has it all together. We're working towards perfection, but no one has arrived, okay? So I can't stand up here and say our family is perfect. If I would, I would say I'm, I would be a liar. I would be a liar, right? And, um, and so would you. But so... It's moving from dysfunction then to function. Because God wants us to be functional families that are fruitful, that are uh, nurturing, that are building and empowering the next generation, okay? And so how do we do that? Well, there's a couple key factors we're going to throw out there. Between the husband and wife, there's mutual submission. You've got to work together. You've got to be a team. You, you've got to be in agreement to, to move things forward. There has to be harmony in the home before there will be peace in the home, okay? And so sometimes when there's uh, uh, disagreement, disharmony, there's a lot of other negative things that can come to play. And God's concerned about that, and he, and he gives us help in light of all that. 
And, and another uh, thing we need to understand, and let me just help define dysfunction for you. Dysfunction means impaired or abnormal functioning, okay? Abnormal or unhealthy interpersonal behavior or interaction within a group, or we could say within the family. So things aren't working properly. There's communication lines are broken. They're not talking to me. I'm not talking to them. There's confusion. There's bickering. There's jealousy. There's fighting. There's all those elements that feed into the dysfunction of a family. And so we talked about a basic component for a functional family. Mutual submission is one. Serving one another is another. And the Bible talks a lot about how we are to serve one another. We're to take the servant's role. How can we serve rather than be served? See, if you take that perspective, how can I serve rather than be served? You will go light years beyond everyone else. Because Jesus, he really focused on that servant mentality, servant leadership. We lead through our serving, how well we serve, right? And, and that's why we encourage people to serve here at Refuge, because that brings you right to a place of leadership, because it's your serving that empowers you to lead from a biblical perspective and the way Jesus taught, okay? And then uh, we understand uh, right relationships, you know, relationships in interaction within the family, there needs to be forgiveness. There needs to be tenderheartedness. Uh, there's, there's other elements here too for basic components of a functional family. In the natural, there's the financial management, stewardship, honoring God with the tithe and offerings, and just being a good manager, not a spendthrift in the home. Uh, there's living by the golden rule. I, I like that James 2 8 says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's, that's good wisdom. And then a basic commitment to walk through crisis. And that requires that we don't always demand our own way because that's where we get in trouble. See, with communication, we talk it out so we can walk it out. But when communication lines are down, it, it, it hinders us from walking through crises. And so it's how can we bridge, how can we reestablish communication when it's been down? Just the other day, the lightning hit, wind blew, and a, a tree fell and took out the transformer on our street while power was out. So in a way that cut out communication as far as uh, internet and all that access, you know, because the communication lines were down. But once that was restored, then we could communicate again and, and be in touch with the rest of the world. Um, so this morning, let me just share this as we bring this to a close. You can have a functional family. You can have a functional family. God will not hold it back from you. And I believe it starts with a desire. It starts with a pursuit. And say, God, I want a functional family. And I want you to be more involved, front and center, in our household than ever before. And even this morning, if you're a single parent, you might say, well, how can I have a functional family as a single parent? Well, you can. Because it's really based on living by biblical principles, first and foremost. And so we can't really make excuses for dysfunction because of a single parent situation. We really can't. But it's knowing that we can, have, we can all have functional families. And our goal at Refuge is more function than dysfunction, okay? 
Now, if you come here with a lot of dysfunction, we're going to help you. We're going to do our part. We're going to minister the word. We're going to encourage and build you up. But just because you have a dysfunctional family, don't stay away. Bring your dysfunction, okay? And together with God's help, we can begin to function and see that thing turn. Amen? Can we stand up together? There's a passage in the first home that Deb and I built. We got a stone from the property where we built our house upon. It was blue granite. We cut that stone. We engraved it with the scripture I'm about to read. Joshua 24, 15, it says, and if, it's, it's actually the second part of this verse, but we'll read the whole verse. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. Now notice the last part of this, and this is what we engraved on the granite stone. As for me and my house, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua, now he was the guy that took the children of Israel into the promised land. Moses brought the children of Israel up to the border of the promised land, but Joshua was the dude that took them in. And this is his declaration as far as where he was at. He basically said, you do what you want, but this is what I'm going to do. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that refuge, I want that to be something we embrace as a church. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So dads, you need to take the lead in that. Moms, you need to support that. We need to do that as a church family. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I want you to take a moment and bow your heads and just uh, close your eyes. Nobody looking around at this time because if you're here, this is an invitation going out to those that may not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. You may say, Pastor, I may, may have walked with God, but I'm not now. I know my life is not right with God. But yet you've come to this church service and in your heart you're saying, I want things right between me and God. Well, we're going to give you an opportunity to surrender your heart and say yes to Jesus and to turn you back on the world on all those things that are drawing you away from God. If you're here and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I'm ready and willing to give my heart to Jesus totally and completely. If that's you, lift your hand high so I can see it. You don't have to be ashamed. This is a very noble thing. This is a courageous thing. It's an act that you are determining in your heart that you're going to serve God, that you're going to follow Jesus. That invitation is extended to everyone. You might feel condemnation. You might feel sinful. That's why Jesus came, just for you, so you could be free from your sin, so you could come to him and be cleansed and set right in your heart before God. Let's pray this prayer together. Whether you lifted your hand or not, just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today to give you my heart. I surrender to Jesus Christ. I acknowledge him as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from every wrong I've done. 
make my life what you want it to be. I receive you, Jesus. Now just talk to him in your own words. Now, Father, I also pray for every person under the sound of my voice, every family that's represented here. I speak healing where there's woundedness, restoration where there's brokenness. I pray, Father, for the move of your spirit to help to restore broken lives. Father, to cause dysfunction to leave and function to arrive and show up on the scene. Father, we seek you. And even as Joshua declared, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Let that be our heart cry in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.